All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Prophetess Dawn here, and we are here tonight with Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer, and I am excited as I am the senior pastor. Look at how that's starting to roll off of my tongue. I love it, I love it. We are in the midst of our launch, and I just cannot wait till we get there. But nonetheless, until we get our building, we will be continuing with our Bible study and we will be continuing with our prayer weekly. So our order of service is on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. We have prayer, corporate prayer. So join us at that time. If you got a prayer request, make sure you get it over to us. On Thursday nights, we've got Bible study and we are going through a chronological review of the Bible, 52 weeks, let's say 365 days. We're going to try to get through a chronological review, going in the order of the Bible and the uh, order in which things actually happen. Uh, Those will be on Thursday night and on Saturdays, we will have our praise and worship service. I'm so excited about what God is doing. Also got a prospect. (laughs) I got a prospect. We might have somebody to come and help us uh, with our praise and worship. So I'm just excited about God still working towards getting things set up for launch day. And it is my mission to have a mass baptism and a mass wedding. So come on, y'all ready to get tired or not? Y'all know y'all need to, so come on with us. All right, so without any further ado, let's get started with Bible study tonight. And we're going to start out in prayer. Mary, you going to lead us in prayer? Yes, ma'am. But I want you to go and let's pray our memory verses. You got your you got your uh, Bible with you on your phone. I'm going to give you a... A couple of verses. See. I want you to pray as the Spirit leads you, but I'm also going to give you uh, these memory verses after you pray, and then you can pray those verses. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Go to Isaiah 55 and 10 and 11. Uh, I'll have you just do that one. Okay. Okay. Because we're going to start praying the word around here. (laughs) All right. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. Yep. But I want you to pray first and then, and then you can pray the scripture or however you want to do it. However you feel led. Uh, I'll start out with the scripture. Okay. Okay. Um, Dear Lord, we come to you um, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the the sour and the, the bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for pouring down your word and pouring down your blessings to us, Lord. We thank you so much for the garden that you're building that is the church and that will blossom into um, exactly what you are planning for it to be, Lord. We thank you for nourishing and flourishing us with the word. 
Thank you for understanding of the word, Lord. Thank you for just feeding it to us, Lord. We thank you so much for this Bible study so that we can dig into the word and um, understand what is going on, understand what it is that you would like for us to do and what path you would like for us to be on, Lord. As the scripture says, um, your word is not returned to you empty. So we ask that you multiply this word, allow us to teach it to others and allow us to understand it. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. 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 Father God, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you tonight for you are a great and mighty God and you are worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Oh God, we worship you. We honor you. We adore you, Jesus. You are a great God. You are a mighty God. You are an awesome God, and we don't take for granted, Lord Jesus, that you allowed us to walk with you in such a time as this, that you counted us worthy, Lord Jesus, to even be in your midst in this season with everything that is going on in this world. Father God, we thank you that you are imparting in us in this season as we build the foundation for the future of this ministry, this church, Lord God. We thank you for the souls that are being led. We thank you, God, that you will not let us lose sight of the goal and the objective to disciple, to save. The salvation will come. Oh my God, we honor you today. We see your greatness. We thank you for allowing us to grow closer to you, Lord God, and and to just see you, to know you through your word. My God, my God, we are honored to be a part of your kingdom. And we thank you today. And Father God, I pray that you will bless my daughter Mariana tonight, Lord God, for her obedience. Oh, Jesus, as she walks alongside, Lord God, this effort and this this initiative to start up your church. Father, we thank you. We bless you. Bless her exceedingly abundantly above all that she can think, ask, or even imagine. Continue, Lord God, to steer her closer to you. I thank you even now, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing. Cover her, shield her, protect her, lead her, guide her, direct her. Oh, Father God, I thank you for her soul salvation and deliverance. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. Amen. All right, so we've been in the book of Genesis, and it has been great. Listen, nothing, absolutely nothing replaces getting in the Word. Even as we have Bible study and we talk through things and we review things, nothing, absolutely nothing um, replaces getting into God's word, hearing the scriptures for yourself. We started this uh, initiative and we said, look, we've been noticing a challenge or or, uh, a, a problem in the church to where we have a severe case of biblical illiteracy. And the reason for that is the charismatic movement. We get so used to listening to folk because they sound good We don't get into the word for ourselves and learn it for ourselves. So I say all of that to say that even though we come and we do our Bible study every week, get in the word, get in the word, listen to those scriptures. I I listen because I have a hard time reading uh, because I'm all over the place all the time. 
but find some dedicated time. And if you're a slow reader like me, get your, your Bible app and, uh, uh, you know, listen to the scriptures. It won't take you as long. <laughs> Some of these days, you can listen to the whole uh, chapters in, in hours, right? You, you can get straight through it. I heard something earlier today I want to share with everybody. I tried to get it right. I wrote it down. Uh, the man of God said that the highest level, what did he say? The highest level of thinkers, of thinkers talk about, talk about mm-hmm. or they, yeah, talk about ideals. The lowest level of thinkers, what they talk about? People. And then midway, the second lowest, they talk about events. And what I took from that was oftentimes we get so caught up in a bunch of drama in our lives because we are on the lowest level of thinking. We always talking about people. We gossip and stuff. But if we elevate our level of thinking and talking, and talk about ideals, and guess what? The ideals that come from the Bible will have a more enriched and a much more enhanced life. So we are, again, in the book of Genesis. And let's just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what we've learned so far, what we've come through and and all of the things that we've learned about the themes and uh, about the the key messages in the Bible. And every time I get into the word, I'm telling you, I learned something different. I was listening to um, the story around Noah. No, 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 no. I was listening to the story of the creation. And when I was listening to the scriptures, it talked about how God created uh, livestock and those living things before Adam and Eve were even created. But he created Adam and Eve to govern the world or to take dominion or rule the world. But as a part of that, they had a responsibility to, to care for it. But one of the things that I got when I was listening to that is that there was a period of time, a long period of time before Adam and Eve existed and who took care of the land. And so I heard the scripture and it was saying how God allowed the springs of water to come out of the ground. Can you believe that? To water the vegetation, to keep that livestock. I mean, the, the, uh, the grass and, and the, whatever, you know, alive, the trees and, and all of that. That was so amazing to me because I think about how it rains. Of course, we could see that and, and me, you know, getting outside with the water holes and watering the grass. But imagine God made provision for the earth even before he had man to come and govern it to where he was watering the earth from the ground. Now that to me was amazing. I don't know if it hit anybody else like that, but that was amazing to me. Um, but anyway, so the, the book of Genesis, um, one, right. We learned that it's, it's the second longest book in the Bible, right? So it's the second longest book in the Bible, second only to Jeremiah, but it is the book of beginnings. Mary and I, we just listened to a few, uh, Uh, videos on Genesis because we want to expand our knowledge 
And we learned it is the book of beginnings. It's the book that talks about God. It talks about our creator, Yahweh. It talks about how he created the heavens and the earth and all of the humans, uh, starting with Adam and Eve. And when he made these things, he made them good. So it tells us a little bit about his character and how he took pride in what he did. And he took his time to ensure that what he made had divine uh, uh, representation and it met the standards of divine goodness, okay? It also tells us about Abram, right? Who, who later became Abraham, right? Who had a covenant with God. Told us about Jacob, who name became Israel, right? <coughs> he was actually Abraham's grandson. And remember, <clears throat> he was a tricky somebody. Uh, he got tricked and then he wound up tricking others. And we learned about Joseph. Joseph uh, with his, his uh, coat of many colors. Joseph, the brother of 12, who said, God gave me a dream. God gave me a dream. I'm going to rule over all of you. You know, I can really relate to uh, the, the, the uh, Jacob's 12 sons because I come from a family of 12. And every time I hear that story, I mean, I could just put us in every personality, every one of those personalities from, you know, the way that they stuck together to the way that they all colluded together to, to uh, sell uh, uh, Joseph into slavery because they were envious of his dream. They were envious of his success. And even the least of them, the one who, who was least tied to this approach, contributed because they were a part of that subsystem, that sibling rivalry, that dysfunction within their family. And then the Genesis also, uh, going back to um, uh, the flood, you know, talked about Noah. And sometimes I wonder about Noah, you know, with their family. They now, now the Bible tells us that they were chosen. This is not the first time in the Bible that you got some characters that God chose that I'll be looking at like, really? You know, <laughs> David being one, um, even Moses, you know, killing out there killing folk because he can't contain himself. And then you got uh, Noah, who was an absolute alcoholic. Come on now. He was an alcoholic. Then he turned around and got upset with his sons about viewing his body uh, naked when, you know, where's your accountability and all of that? And then turn around and curse the sun. So to me, that tells me you got some anger management issues, uh, <laughs> you know. And then the daughter's going to turn around because they didn't want to not have future generations have incest with their father. So they were all jacked up. So anyway, I can't relate as much to that family, even though my grandbabies call me more. Uh, but, but. Uh, the, the Bible is a very interesting story. Uh, my guilty pleasure, I talk about a lot of times, that I shouldn't be doing is watching these drama shows, you know, these reality TV shows. And I do it, but I shouldn't. Uh, but <laughs> the Bible is the best drama reality 
TV show. I'm telling you, if we lived back in that day and somebody had some cameras, I would be glued to the screen, especially when you get, come around, you know, the story of Adam and Eve. I just want to be right there to watch them because they, they just was a little uh, colorful for me. Genesis also uh, breaks down uh, into multiple themes. And so one of the themes is around the covenant, the covenant, the binding agreement that God made uh, with the children of Israel through Abraham, the covenant of blessings and then uh, his blessings uh, (coughs) were were, uh, depicted in there. And then we got to the genealogy. So Genesis tells us, it gives us the setup for all of these different um, uh, uh, bloodlines that came down, you know, Adam's family, Noah's family, Noah's sons, Abraham's uh, family, Ishmael and Isaac, Esau, and Jacob's family. And, and, and that gets us to the 12 tribes. Talks about the promised land, uh, and it takes us into that. Uh, We learn about God's authority. We learn about God's authority, that he is the sovereign God and he has rule authority over all things and we trust his sovereignty. And no matter what happened in the earth, God is a just and a fair God. Uh, It talks about man's rebellion, God's judgment against man's rebellion. And a lot of times when... When I talk Genesis, I like to remind us that, you know, some of the colloquialisms, the sayings, the cast statements that we make in the church are not founded on theological fact. They are not founded on biblical truths. And one of the things that I think that we kind of got, we kind of missed is that we give the enemy dominion over the earth. And we think that that is rooted from the uh, punishment that was handed down in the Garden of Eden uh, after the fall. And we're going to talk about the fall today because that's our topic uh, uh, for today. But anyway, during the fall, God said, look, he said, you did this, so you're going to have to be punished. But even in his sovereignty, his his mercy, and his grace, he allowed man to be punished, but he still had mercy over man by uh, kicking him out of Eden so that he would not run the risk of eating from the tree of, of life, which means he would have to forever live in that state of being separated from God and then having that knowledge of good and evil. Sometimes I don't even be wanting to know stuff. But anyway, uh, on to the punishment. When he punished, he said, look, serpent, I got something for you. I'm going to lay you on your stomach. You ain't going up, to walk upright no more. Not only that, I'm going to use the woman's seed to destroy you. You'll always be at enmity with the woman's seed. And I'm going to use her seed and that seed came by way of our Savior, who ultimately destroyed him, but we still had that power and that authority 
to defeat him. He went on to the woman and he said, for you, you're going to labor when you bear uh, birth, when you give birth, you're going to labor. And not only that, you're going to love your husband. And it's me paraphrasing. You're going to love your husband and he's going to hoard it over you. And then he went to the man. He said, look, here's your punishment. He said, for you, for the rest of your days, you know how you were out here and, and you could just look around and, you know, your stomach grumbling. You could just pull something to eat. <laughs> he said, for the rest of your life, you're going to have to till the land. You're going to have to work up until death for your provision and what you need. And not only that, not only will you work, you're going to work. You see how that woman is going to uh, be in labor to bring forth life? That's the same way you're going to labor in order to uh, produce life-yielding things. And so he also told him, he said, now you're going to separate from me and you will die. And so that was the punishment, but not at one time did God take away from man dominion. He always intended that man would govern the earth, and he never <coughs> took away dominion, all right? So it talks about God's preservation of life and the blood sacrifice. <clears throat> and we know or we learned that in Genesis, the way that we came about understanding or hearing the word is because originally, before the book of, of Genesis was written, there were oral traditions. So many of us can relate to that, right? You got your grandmother who tells the story to your auntie and auntie keeps that story. We used to call it folk, folklore, right? So there were oral traditions that passed down from generation to generation and that information was retained. Believing and knowing that God is an infallible God, God is a divine God, God has all power and authority to preserve the story and the telling of the story, the, the recollection of the story, the documenting of the story in an oral way. We believe that the story was translated through those generations in an accurate way. Then Moses, uh, who created the, the Torah, who began to write the law, right, began to incorporate those oral traditions into now what was translated into the law or the Torah. Then centuries later, you have the scribes who gathered all of that information, including the oral traditions, the Torah, and all of the information that God wanted in the Bible that was of the writings of Moses. Now, let me be clear. They didn't append or amend or edit uh, Moses' word. They just gathered the information and they brought it all together and they put it into the, I always say this wrong, Tunak, the Tunak, which we have today as our modern day Bible. We learned earlier today that the Bible 
I mean, the Genesis was broken out into three, I'm sorry, into two primary parts, two primary sections. It told us about the story of God and humanity, his relationship with humanity, with humans and the creation. And it also told us about God's uh, relationship with the chosen people, with Israel. Okay. The goal or the objective of uh, Genesis is to really set the stage for our divine and human affairs with God. So it sets the stage for the divine uh, plus the human relationship. It defines the human purpose in our nature. And it tells the story of the chosen people, their original story. And when I say the chosen people, I'm talking about us because we are a part of that bloodline. But ultimately, Genesis, when you walk away from studying Genesis, Genesis is intended to give you hope. And it gives me hope to know that if God from day one had a plan for our generation so much so that he constructed things to where it would just line up to one day we have a savior <laughs> to reconcile us back to Christ. I'm telling you, that gives me hope that this little stuff I be dealing with, uh, God got it in his hands if he can do all of that. Uh, what was the other? It was something else that I picked. Oh, what I what I like about what we learned in Genesis was that it was God's original intention that man would govern the earth. So I think uh, one of the speakers was talking about being a governor, you know, having Adam and Eve were almost like the governors of the earth. And knowing that we have that level of power and authority I hope I don't have an alarm on here because it's going to kick me off. I'm going to wait one second just to see. Okay, usually I do it after that first thing. Okay. All right, so we good. So so anyway, knowing that, knowing that we walk in, in authority, uh, we, were, we were talking before about spiritual warfare. And the authority in which we walk in. And sometimes when we go through uh, certain things, we go through it longer than we have to because we don't enact our spiritual authority, you know. But anyway, going back to the breakdown of those two uh, parts of the Bible where uh, in creation, God brought order to chaos, Right. So there was chaos in the beginning. He just he brought he came in and he brought all of this order. He brought all of this order. He created the earth and he brought order to it. I love. Oh, my God. When I just go back and just listen and he spoke it and it and it happened. He separated the waters. He separated the heavens from the earth. He separated the light from the dark. I'm telling you, that just does something to me to know that God had that authority and that power. And later uh, next month, we're going to go and look at 
uh, Noah's Ark. I'm telling you, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I just want to see it. I want to be in it. I'm telling you, I get so excited about studying and getting in the Word. But anyway, in the creation, uh, God and humans were living together peacefully in the garden. So they were living in the temple together. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine walking with God and talking with God and just being there in his presence uh, physically? Physically, they could see God. Oh, my God. What a beautiful, wonderful relationship. And it's funny because when you have that type of rapport, with God, where he sees you and you see him. That's, that's where we will get to, but we'll get to that in heaven. We'll get to that in heaven. It was another point. Oh, oh, I know. I know. I ain't got there yet. But, um, when, when you're walking side by side with him and you know him, not through sin, but you know him through just, just, his being, the essence of who he is, is just a beautiful and wonderful thing. God, God. I mean, in Genesis, uh, in his relationship with humanity, we learned about uh, the curses and we learned about uh, the, 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 uh, the speaker earlier today, he was talking about divine evil, divine evil. And when he first said it, my mind, whenever I talk, whenever I think about divinity or divine, of course, I so I associate that with God, but I associate that with his righteousness, his holiness, all of that. But divine is just simply the spiritual component or aspect of it. So it was divine evil that the, the serpent embodied right? He, he was demonic. He embodied that divine, uh, evil. And, uh, there was not only divine evil, but there was also human evil. Uh, not just with the lies, you know, they gonna lie knowing that God see them, know everything and, and gonna lie about, uh, uh, what they did and, and, and how they were doing stuff, you know, and, and they were deceptive to God uh, about being naked and, and how they knew and all of that stuff. Um, and I'm trying to get to this thought, but also, you know, with their children, it passed down to their children. And I said this before, we got to be careful, you know, with the gates that we allow the demons to come through because they're going to come straight through us and go down to our kids and be generation to generation. When you think about Eve and how she allowed the enemy to seduce her and how she was rebellious against God's uh, instruction and she pulled her husband into it and she cut off the life line that they had to God. Uh, Cain did the same thing. Cain did the exact same thing. He cut off uh, Abel's lifeline to God because he was rebellious. He rebelled against God's order. He rebelled against God's structure. Okay. Um, And then Genesis talks about uh, salvation. Talks about salvation again through chaos. 
Uh, they, they said that during the time of the greatest evil in the earth, you had uh, angels coming down. They were looking at these humans and they said, ooh, them, them humans be making some cute women. So they started procreating with them. And God said, enough is enough. Y'all just getting too evil. So we're going to send a flood. And so, again, Noah was recognized because of his loyalty and faithfulness to God. He was recognized. And uh, and and God saved him. And he spared him. He spared him and his children and his wife and his family and all of their uh, you know, livestock two by two um, on the ark. And that's when, you know, we learned about their funny family ways. I'm like, what was wrong with them during that time? I don't know what they was thinking. Because I, I remember growing up in our house, and even though I, I have some, some siblings who are very free uh, <laughs> with their with their bodies, you know, but I'm more like my mom. My mom was the type of person she, you know, you got to cover up and and all of that. And, and as a matter of fact, I think it was almost like superstition for them. If you see somebody naked, it was supposed to be bad luck. Like a woman see a woman naked or something like that. But anyway, uh, I remember growing up in the house and our house was big enough, but it was a lot of us. And so there would be times you know, that my parents would be walking around the house. We might see them exposed or, or something like that, or the bathroom door might be open or anything. But I couldn't imagine just going and looking at my daddy drunk and laughing at him and, and all of that. So they they were kind of weird. I don't know. But then Genesis also talks about the nations, you know, the 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 um uh, nations, the building, the foundation of the nation. So if you remember from Noah came a lot of generations and it came a lot of descendants. And so they were good up until the time they said, uh, y'all remember our great, 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 great grandfather, whoever, how many years back he was walking along with God. <laughs> Maybe we could do that too. Let's, let's build this tower on up to heaven, because since, since God is in heaven, let's build this tower on up there and see if we can get to him. And God said, uh-uh. He, he said, I'm going to strike y'all down. But not only that, I'm going I'm to create a whole bunch of nations. I'm going to give y'all all a different language, and I'm going to send y'all on your way and send you, you know, and distribute you. But I'm going to give you your own land. I'm going to give you your own language. And guess what? Some of them had the audacity to get out there and get their own land and language, and they started forming their own gods. They started making gods and idols out of all kinds of stuff. But God said, I got something for y'all. After y'all got to these nations, I'm going to go and I'm going to get a descendant from, from Noah, and I'm going to make him a promise. And that was Abram, who became Abraham. And so he was in God's presence. Again, he, he trusted God. He believed in God. God said, I will make a covenant with you that you will be in my presence. Remember, he said, for those who I want you to go out of the land uh, of your father 
because your father is one of them who went off to them nations and and developed some gods and some idols and that ain't you know I ain't on that. And he said he said I I want you to go from your father's land and I want you to uh get ready because I got I'm gonna make a, a, a many nations out of you. I'm going to bless all nations through you, but I'm going to give you many descendants. I'm going to give you a lot of land. As a matter of fact, he said, I'm going to give you so many descendants. You see that the grains in that sand and the stars in the sky, you ain't even going to be able to count it. So the, towards the, the, uh, what a third of the Bible on to the end, then the Bible just tells us about God's relationship, cultivating that relationship with Israel, right? Starting again with that relationship with Abraham. He was called by God. And and uh, we learned this, right? That he was a wanderer. He went from uh, place to place in the land that God had promised him and that God had given him. And so he wandered for most of his life. But it's funny because when I thought about that, um, how he was wandering around, I just think about our grandparents and how, you know, they would go from house to house, you know, and just, just be around us. And I could just imagine how Abraham going and planting the seed, laying the foundation, just making his presence known in these different places, the pride that it gave his grandchildren, great, great grandchildren, you know, to say, Hey, my granddaddy was here. He came, he came here back and such and such and such. But anyway, uh, he was tested by God. We know he, he had a test some of us, I'm telling you, I don't know. We, we couldn't make it, but then other, others of us will probably say God testing us this way when the kids get on our nerves, but he really, <laughs> but, but when God came and he said, you know, that, that, Many nations thing that I said I was going to give you through a lot of descendants. You know, that chosen descendant that you prayed for, that Isaac one, I want you to sacrifice him. And he said, well, hey, I believe you, God. So I'll just go ahead and do it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what he had going through his mind? If God said sacrifice. Sacrifice. I'm talking about. I'm in a good relationship, and and you know he was at that age where he was probably still a cool little kid. You know, I don't think he hit the puberty yet. It's like, wait a minute, sacrifice him, the one we had in our older years, the one that we waited all this time for. But he said, yeah, God gave him that ram in the bush. But we learned all of that. Uh, and then we learned about Isaac, right? Uh, living in the promised land and being blessed greatly. And then, of course, Jacob. Jacob is something else. He he started out being deceptive. And then he turned around and got deceived himself and then wondered why. He was exiled into the east and he changed his name to Israel. That's where we get Israel uh, today. And he was the father of the 12 nations of Israel. And then again, you know, just going to the the, the key characters, you know, his sons, uh, Judah 
and Joseph. You know, we learned a lot about them. You know, Joseph having his uh, uh, blessings and God blessing him to be ruler and governor. And Judah, you know, being, we talk a lot about Judah with praise and, and uh, you know, being a, 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 um, a tribe of, of praisers. You know, but Judah didn't start out that way. You know, he was he was something else because, as a matter of fact, he was the one that was the the spearhead of the brothers. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and sell Joseph. You know, that Joker keep talking about what dreams he having. Let's get rid of him. But he came to his senses eventually. So anyway, so that uh, just gives us a, a summary synopsis. Okay, uh, of of the Bible. So let's get into this. Uh, tell me, so based on what we've talked, what you listen to, just in your own words, uh, give us some some insight into some of the things that you've learned that, that may help us in our in our understanding. Um, I feel like so far with what we've gone over, um some of the most important things that I learned is um, a lot of stuff that happened back then still goes on today. And I've learned that like it's very important to trust in God and believe in Him because He knows it all. Like the fact that the fact that Noah was able to trust in God, build that ark, and the population still continued after the flood for as long as it was. To me, things like that is incredible because it's showing that God has always been who he is today. And I really, really like what you said when you said that a lot of times we go through stuff longer than when we have to because we forget the authority that we have in our lives. So I feel like with this starting at the beginning, I'm just learning the authority that we were given rightfully from the very beginning. And I'm learning that a lot of things have not changed. So the authority that we have has not changed. We just need to revisit and tap into it. So I feel like I've learned a lot with this um, starting at the beginning and getting really into the roots. And um, what did the the guy said in the video? Get into our roots mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny too, because in, in the Garden of Eden, when we go back to what God was providing, he gave them an opportunity to walk by faith. To walk by faith and in the sense of obeying him through what he prohibited. Can you just imagine how a lot of times we, like our parents or or people who have authority over us, they'd be like, but don't do this. And that is something in us that makes us just want to do it. Like you said, having that authority today to say, look, I don't need to be in this <coughs> for so long, for as long, if I would just apply my faith to obey. That if 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 I just had the faith to say, look, God, you gave me dominion, you gave me power. You gave me the ability to choose and you gave me the ability to obey instead of disobeying. Let's walk in that authority. And then the other thing was we learned that, like you said, the consequences of sins. But 
the sins that we committed impacted, I mean, that they committed impacted all mankind. You know, I say this oftentimes uh, when it comes to what we do. You know, I try to convey this to y'all that you could do anything that you are physically, (laughs) mentally, emotionally, spiritually capable of doing. But what you cannot do is choose the consequences of your actions. Somebody else is already going to do that. And so with that, not being able to choose the consequences, you also at times can't choose who it affects. So sometimes we just live life like we in this bubble and it's like, no, but it's affecting so many other people. And then, ooh, excuse me, knowing that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, he is still on his game since the beginning of time. He came in there, he was he was ready to take them up out of there. And you know why I think? I think because he was so jealous that God was making provision for them, um, that he was like, oh, I done got kicked out of heaven and you gonna get them heaven on earth? <laughs> no, I'm about to mess this up. And there's so many people that do that mess all the time. But the key was that the enemy, he he made suggestions, subliminals. It, it, no, I'm not even gonna say subliminal because it wasn't subliminal. He was more direct, but he was making a suggestion, you know, taking a piece of the truth and like, oh, but do you really believe that? Do you really believe? And that's what we got to be careful with today as Christians because we or, or saints or disciples, whatever, because we hear those little subtleties. And remember, we talked about how to boil the, the, the frog and all of that stuff. You know, it gets us to the point where we like, okay, well, maybe not. All right. So the next question, how does God provide for mankind? So in Genesis, what we read and what we learned, how does God provide for mankind? He literally gives them everything that they need. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the beginning, he, he gives them everything that they need. Even creating man in his own image, he gave man the intellect to have wisdom, to have knowledge. Because, look, I'm just going to be straight up real with you. If I went out there right now today, we talked earlier about doing a garden. I wouldn't know what in the world to do. I wouldn't know what in the world to do. So imagine being in the garden and having to care for it. You know, God gave them intellect to be able to reproduce, to be able to have everything that they need. And he made provision by kicking them out of Eden, right? Because he was like, look, y'all, uh-uh. We're not going to do this. He even gave them provision when he broke down uh, their language because he was like, y'all, if y'all come up here, (laughs) I just had a thought. Remember (laughs) when y'all were growing up, y'all probably didn't like this and some of y'all more so than others, but my mom used to be this way too. But you know, you, you go into your room, you, you, you got the burdens of, of your day. You just want to decompress. You come home to a whole bunch of kids and you like, I just want to go in my room and just shut the door and just, you know, just, just have my alone time. So a lot of times I go up in my room and y'all come upstairs and y'all knocking on that door, knocking on that door. Mama, mama calling me from downstairs. But as long as I'm ignoring y'all, y'all good. 
But as soon as I open that door and I get mad, somebody getting a whooping. Because you done got up here, you done got on my nerves, you getting a whooping. So if they would have made it to heaven, they probably would have got a whooping. So. <laughs> but, and God will be I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right, so what did God give Adam and Eve to shape their identity? What did he give them? Uh, he gave them dominion and authority. I feel like that would definitely shape their identity. He made Eve from Adam, so I feel like that would definitely shape their identity as well. Yep. Yep. God gave them a, he gave them humanity. He gave them dominion. He gave them all of these attributes that separated them from the fowl, from the cattle, from, you know, all of these other things. He he told them, you are me. You are a part of me. You know, so he so that shaped their identity. The enemy distorted God's truth, and he continues to distort God's truth and his and his um through his lies. And the thing is, he wants man to lose his identity. That's why he got us walking around here thinking we are walking no authority. Yes, we do. Oh, yes, we do. And then he tries to filter God's word, you know, into our own worldly systems and our systems, you know, and our ways of thinking. Uh... All right, so yeah, that's that was the the last part. How do you apply last week's story, right? So we don't get into the fall today, but last week's story. How do you apply that uh, to your life? Like, how can you apply some of the things that we learned about creation into your life? I think that right now I'm working on applying the authority into my life that part of it yeah but but yep the authority into your life um another way of application is that it gives us a sense of of hope pride and knowing who we are like knowing that we have a true identity in Christ and that everything that we see when we look outside the windows, when we look around, all of this was created exclusively for us. Like he loved us that much that he created it. And then another way that I apply creation to my life is just it just, I'm I am just in so awe of God from the smallest, most minute thing to the to the most extravagant thing, right? I mean, it just boggles my mind when I try to think about how magnificent God is and how things were so structured and orchestrated. I'm telling you, I am a person of structure and organization, and I just it's it's like a it's like a high for me, you know. When I think about God. I mean, you really intended that the sun go there, that the moon go there, that the stars go there, that the sky go there, that we separate the waters exactly there. You know, that kind of stuff just, I mean, it it just, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. But we have to keep our thoughts and our minds on God. 
and knowing that from the foundation of creation, he had us in mind. He had a redemptive plan in mind, even for the fall. It doesn't matter. He knew everything and he planned for everything. All right. So let's get into uh, Genesis and I'm going to pause right here because we're going to get into part two of our study. All right. Okay, so let's pick back up where where we left off. And so we want to start out in Genesis chapter 3, right? And so it tells us and it starts to talk about the fall. And so that gives us our first real picture of redemption. So the Bible is a story about God's love for his people, his law, our covenant relationship, But somewhere in that story and throughout the story, it talks about redemption. But the first picture that we had of redemption was when Adam and Eve sinned and God actually had to kill what he considered to be good, which was an animal, to give them cover up for their nakedness. That animal was innocent and do anything wrong, (laughs) but it had to be sacrificed on behalf of the guilty in order to cover man's uh, nakedness. And so, uh, you know, we also learned in Genesis 3 that, that what did sin produce? It produced fear, shame, and guilt. And we, we noticed that because it's evident in the fact that man, out of his fear, shame, and guilt, he covers up his nakedness. And out of fear... He hides from God, and and through his guiltiness, he tried to blame his wife and God. How you <laughs> how you gonna blame God for giving you a wife because you don't sin? I'm telling you, never mind me of so many people, but but God didn't accept the way that man covered himself, and He provided covering. Doesn't that tell us about God's provision, um, his providence, uh, providence towards man, and then also his grace and his mercy? He said, look, what y'all, with them little fig leaves y'all trying to use, I mean, number one, y'all might get cold because y'all about to get kicked out. So let me get y'all some real good covering. So God, even in the midst of our sin, he continues to cover us and protect us. And not only that, can you imagine that one sin that destroyed male and female relationships forever? Because I'm telling you right now, now, Eve was wrong, okay? Let's just get that out there. She was wrong for listening to that serpent, being seduced and, and deceived. But if I'm sitting right there, because I imagine when God came and talked to him, it wasn't like she was in the other room because they were right out in the open. You going to straight up and tell him that he <laughs> gave you me? Oh, that's a big argument for a lifetime. He ain't going to live that one down. We going to be in the... Uh, we gonna be <laughs> in our new land. I'm be like, you remember when you told God he got? What did you mean by that? What was that all about? <laughs> but in all seriousness, sin actually destroyed the male and the female relationship because 
One, when you think about the shame and the fear and all of that that was created in the human psyche, that created tension before the man and the woman. But it was something in in Genesis that described the serpent and it talked about the serpent and it said he was wiser, he was the wisest of all of the beasts uh, on the surface of the field. So he was wise, he was shrewder, I think that was the word that they used. And, And when you think about how wise he was and how calculated and methodical he was, he was very deliberate, like we talked about earlier, you know, he was like, if I can't have it, you can't either. You know, it's just a, a horrible way of thinking. But let me ask you this. Uh, where where does the serpent come from? Where does he come from? But who was he? The serpent was the enemy. So God created him, but the enemy took over. Lucifer. Lucifer. Right. So if you think about it, he was kicked out of heaven, you know, uh, and he embodied mm-hmm. the serpent. And that wisdom that he had was from you know, him, Lucifer, who we call, he got three three major names we call him. Lucifer, devil, and Satan. So, all right. So, well, we already know this answer, but the second part is going to be the good part. Who does the serpent approach and why? Eve to trick her into eating the fruit. But why do you think, because remember, he wise, he's very methodical. Oh, why did he do why Eve? Why did he do Eve? Adam? Yep. Oh, versus Adam or the tree. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> my personal opinion is, okay, this is a good question. I feel like he approached Eve because he felt like she would be more impressionable. I feel like because Adam was with God first, he would be more reluctant to try something like that. So he probably seen Eve as more naive and more like it was easier to convince her. And once he convinced her, it was easier for her to convince Adam. That's true. And what's so profound about what you said is that he approached her because she has secondhand knowledge. So remember the types of questions he's asking her. He's like, did he say that for real? Right. You know, and it's like, yeah, but Adam gonna know. Yep, that's exactly what God right. said. Nope, uh-uh, we ain't going there. And so instead of her going and confirming it with Adam, she just allowed herself to be uh, seduced and, and did whatever. All right, so what is, what is the... Uh, What is the serpent actually doing as he's engaging in conversation with with Eve? And these were pre-written questions, but I think you just answered it a little bit in in your response. You know, he was he was manipulating her. He was he, like fishing for her knowledge, like. 
it, this reminds me of work that they teach us, like people send phishing emails to try to see how far they can get with you. So he was like throwing in his uh, little rod to say, hmm, Eve, will you go for this? And then reeling it back in. So to me, he was fishing for information, trying to test the waters with her to see what he was willing to convince her to do. And he ain't know it was going to be that easy. He probably thought it's And so another thing, too, is that I don't know how that communication between Eve, because a lot of times I rack my brain with this. The Bible don't tell us every minute detail. And so some people say that the serpent audibly spoke to Eve in the sense that um, Eve heard it in her language but in my mind just because I grew up with my mama I grew grew up with other people who would literally talk to birds to fish to animals to dogs you know and ain't no dog that I know of maybe maybe they might say bye or something (laughs) you know and we we make it up in our mind but I know You know, so I don't know if he was actually speaking in the sense of in their communicating in their language versus Eve had a way to interpret what what the serpent was saying. But nonetheless, we know that he had the ability to speak. And what that tells me is that those external thoughts that are... um, infused into our mind can come from different sources, different sources of the things that we hear, that we see, that we think, you know, and we have to be careful even today because some things are not spoken, but some things are felt. Some things are not spoken, but some things are discerned, especially when we talk about the world systems that we live in, they become so, uh, we, we become so common with them that we think that it's okay. I was listening to somebody the other day and they were talking about uh, Denzel Washington. And I don't know if you, well, you probably don't follow, but he's on this journey. He, he said that he's on a spiritual journey that he feel like God has called him uh, into ministry to, to pastor and, and stuff like that. So he's on this journey to start going in that direction. So you see now that he's in circles like with with Kurt Franklin and T.D. Jakes, and they're trying to embrace him to kind of fill this thing out. But at the same time, this minister who was talking, he was he was he was saying we have to be very careful of the deception. And he started going back to some of the subtle things that over the years Denzel Washington did to try to seduce, more specifically, our children into the world system. And most of it around, you know, certain things around homosexuality and, and, and over-sexualizing things. But what he was saying was he brought us to an interview that he did where he started talking about, I think it was, it was that one uh, play thing with, with uh, that girl from uh, How to Get Away with Murder. What's her name? Viola Davis, girl, was well, she? She just made me so mad in that one scene. <laughs> she had her nose. I said, "Girl, what is wrong with you?" 
But anyway, is it huh? Is it Fences? Was it with Denzel? If it yeah. was, it was Okay, so, so he was saying, I think it was, it, I don't know why Fences don't ring a bell. It may have been something else that they did, but I don't know. But he was saying that he wanted to tap into it. Maybe it was, no, Fences was more about the two of them as parents during that time, right? Mm-hmm. I don't they know. They had a son, because we had read that play in my class, and then they had a movie about it. Yeah. But they had a son or something like that. I yeah. Know, I, 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 gotta, I gotta go back and see. But anyway, what he was saying was he wanted to tap into the ancestors. And he wanted to tap into their spirits and, and he was calling them forth almost like he was having a seance, like he was he was he was wanting them to embody him. And so they were saying you gotta be very careful with stuff like that because that is demonic. That is not of God. We call on God. Now if I want knowledge, I'm gonna go straight to God for the knowledge that I need through the Holy Spirit if I if I go that route of a spirit. But when you start tapping into those other spirits, that's ungodly. And so, anyway, going back to the serpent and how he was that external voice, however he was voiced uh, or communicated, we have to be very, very careful that we know the true voice of God. And then not only do we know the true voice of God, that we shut everything else out because we'll get in big trouble. We don't want to be like uh, Eve. All right, so... uh, (laughs) What was the first thing that the serpent said to the woman? What was the first thing that he said to the woman? Yep. And God really said. And it's so funny that, and I don't want to make this a gender type thing, but you know, we always, we are, we are fact driven, but we are more emotional driven. And it's like, you know, he's like, hmm, did you really? So I can imagine. Eve thinking in her head was Adam withholding some information from me because right. he just didn't want me to eat from that tree. <laughs> or even thinking, well, maybe it won't be that bad if I do it. Yep. Right. Yeah. So did God instruct Eve not to eat from the forbidden tree? He instructed Adam. Yep. Yep. He instructed Adam. And Adam. Adam did it and then said, you the wrong baby. <laughs> that is not an excuse. <laughs> What is Eve's first mistake and and most vital mistake? Even allowing the serpent to enter her mind in that way and not... Her first mistake is not shutting him down right where he opened up. Yep. She engaged in conversation with the serpent and she also takes his word over the word of her husband. And it's like, look, first of all, I'm shutting it down. I don't even want to hear it. Don't even come to me. Remember we talked about the three higher levels of, of yes. thinking ideals events don't even come to me about no people because we right. ain't going there i'm shutting it all the way down his mode of operation was deception he know he knew how to tickle her fancy and you know get into her head he's like oh yeah i'm about to i'm about to deal with her and he told a partial truth and that's the thing that gets us a lot of times is that people come like i was saying earlier today about the level of biblical illiteracy in the church because we love charismatic people. We love listening to people who sound like they know what they're talking about. And sometimes people will tell you an element of the truth, their translation or interpretation, 
And then they'll put a whole bunch of mess and gunk and lies on it, you know. And we buy it. We buy it. The ultimate goal of the enemy was to sow uh, mistrust or distrust in God's word and in his character with man. That was his main thing. And that's the thing that I don't like about some people, you know, that we meet is that because you got a problem with somebody here, you're going to come and try to make my problem your problem. Because you, you don't get kicked out of heaven. Now you down here walking around. At least you can walk around. Now you don't mess it up for everybody. Now you slinging her, slip, slithering around on your stomach because you a big old storyteller. And now you want me to, to distrust God's word and his character and his authority. And the reason that it's important that we focus on that for a minute is because that happens in any structure. God is a God of structure and organization. God is a God of hierarchy of authority. And anything that is that is a part of God, that is governed by God, it is always going to have a hierarchy of authority. God is not a democracy. He is a, a unilateral authority and there's nothing higher than God. But when he creates um, um, institutions, he creates authority. And oftentimes we find people who try the first things that they attack about people is their word and their character. They come and it, oh, I'm telling you, I've been a part of a lot of ministries and I feel like a lot of people fall short on their, on their spiritual walk because they fall for this lie or this tactic of the enemy to get them away from their leadership because somebody done attacked their leader's word, they done attacked their leader's character, and then next thing you know, they are successful in, you know, drawing that person away from their destiny and where God sent them to be. The enemy is a liar, and not only is he a liar, guess what? He hate God as much as he hate man. He hate God as much as he hate man. And it's funny because sometimes we'll get on the side of the enemy thinking that he's an ally. And it's like, no, he hate, he hate us and he hate God. And then he'll pit us against each other and try to get us to fight against God. It's so ridiculous how he is because he's extremely subtle. Remember, the Bible says that he's the shrewdest he, or, or when he was a serpent, he was the shrewdest of all, uh, you know, the, the animals or, you know, on, on the top of the field. So, uh, let's see, I'm going to skip through some of these questions and get to get some of the good part. Um, so we already talked about Adam and Eve's uh, response. Okay, let's talk this, because we talked about this. What was the direct cost of sin to Adam, to Eve, and the serpent? Do you remember? Yep, so the serpent lost his legs and was set to always be at war with the seed of, of Eve. Um, Eve had, would have labor pains and a painful like, birth and pregnancy. She would, it was something about like loving her husband and he would hold it over her. That was it. <laughs> that was it. 
<laughs> we love them jokers. It's, it's, right. <laughs> we love them jokers, and they will hoard it over us. I right. know you ain't never that, witnessed that. No, that's part of what I said earlier, <laughs> how a lot of things have not changed. <laughs> and then um, Adam will have hard labors of the land with uh, supplying food and taking care of cattle and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that I love, too, is that God allows man to hide behind him, hide in him. And again, it doesn't matter what we've done. God will still protect us. He'll still provide for us and he'll still receive us, you know, when we, of course, repent. Um, Now, again, you talked about it, the consequences of the relationship between the husband and the wife, and we still see you know, that brokenness today. It's like sometimes I'm just going to be honest. I I see headphones on so I can be free to say what I want to say. But sometimes I'll be like, oh, I wish I didn't care so much. But you can't, I'm telling you, it's like you can't get away from it. Just just as much as that that labor, you know, when we give birth, we're still going to do that. Even though, you know, it's some things, some people have easy labor some people use epidurals or whatever but i'm talking about just generally that's still a part of life uh and what we experience today but it gives us hope to know uh you know that that god god uh made those provisions it gives us hope even in the midst of the punishment, it gives me hope to know, okay, if we still live in this today, then there must be truth, you know, in the word. All right, so what about the identity, the identity uh, that, that we have and that they had during that time? Going back to what we learned today about the fall, did you learn anything about yourself through that story? Like, can you relate? Can you learn anything? Uh, about you yeah something that I wasn't ready to admit that I need to is the fact of where it even went wrong was even having a conversation with the serpent so I feel like a lot of times I'll know like well maybe this isn't the best idea but still have to learn the hard way so I definitely these other questions uh all right so let's talk about this let's bring it home who has dominion now and who was meant to have dominion uh we have dominion and we were meant to have dominion and ain't nothing changed about that all right so (coughs) so let's talk about some of these truths and I think I'm just going to try to try to read through them real quick uh, because I think this is good. The truth about <coughs> right when I say I'm going to read it. All right. The truth about God and man. There are four voices in the garden. Four voices. Four, four voices. All right. So the world says conform to me. Conform to me. 
Eve eats of the fruit, then gives it to Adam to eat as well. Today, in today's life, the bondage of materialism and the world's secular philosophy says, conform to me, continue to eat of this fruit. All you got to do, did God really say you're going to die? If you continue to eat from this fruit, you know, (laughs) you're getting your prosperity. Come on, (laughs) be more like me. Get all of these material things. Work yourself to death, you know. All right, the, the other voice, Satan says, listen to me. Listen to me. That was the other voice in the garden. <coughs> Did God really say? You surely wouldn't die. And oftentimes in our mind, and this this almost lends to what I, I said. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. This, listen, I'm not going to say God is giving me a revelation right now, but I'm, I'm just almost thinking I'm on the brink of something. I don't know that the serpent was speaking audibly right. in the in the sense of their um, language. I think it was more in the, in the way that she was able to articulate through her thoughts because we still are challenged with that today. The serpent, in a sense, is not there, you know, like a slithering snake because if right. he came up in here, you know, I have to get your daddy to kill him. But... <laughs> is in our minds like we hear those thoughts and so but anyway but this passage says here that satan says listen to me and in today's world is multiple mental attacks and the bondage of deception in our minds so that was kind of deep going back to how he he spoke then could have been in the mind all right so the other voice <coughs> is <coughs> the flesh says satisfy me So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and the trees desirable to make one wise. And in today's uh, context, we want instant gratification and we are bound and we have a lot of bondage to addiction because our flesh tells us, satisfy me. And, And you know, I ain't trying to give Eve too much of the benefit of the doubt, but I I mean, you know, a nice looking tree, food for my husband. You know, I want to make it nice for my man. You know, it's pleasing to the eyes. It's got to be good. You know, I, I might just take a little piece and give him some, you know. But anyway, all right, so that was the other voice. So now we had the three of the four voices that we talked about in the garden. And the one voice was the world, right? Conform to me, conform to me, eat of this fruit. Okay, I'm making sure this don't, don't go. Okay, I think we good. I'm hoping I don't have a nine o'clock one. All right. Okay. So, so it did kick me off. Okay. So, uh, we, what, what did we say? The world conformed to me, Satan, <clears throat> listen to me, you know, look, did God really say he questioned what God say? And we know that today he does that through mental attacks and bondage of deception in our mind. The flesh says satisfy me. And back then it was like, Oh, this tree look good. Look, mm, it's good for food, all of that. But today, 
It's that instant gratification that we want. We want to gratify the flesh. That's why we get so bound in all of these addictions. But finally, the final voice that was heard in the garden was Jesus said, come to me, follow me. And so that comes where the Lord said, um, and the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge and good, of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And so today God is saying, uh, and come to me, follow me. He's saying, you have freedom to choose life, freedom to walk with God once again, and freedom to experience a spirit-filled life. God today communicates with his people, the same as he did in the garden. God is everywhere all the time. He judges man today for their disobedience. While even though we don't experience the consequences immediately sometimes, God is merciful towards guilty sinners and making provision for their nakedness even in the midst of sin. The Bible tells us even when we were yet sinners, he sent his son uh, to die for us and to bring us salvation. The enemy is a real enemy. The devil is a real enemy. He is real. We think we can keep on playing with him. The serpent was manipulative and he was a convincing liar. So anytime you see a manipulative, convincing liar, they are a serpent, I guarantee you. The woman is influential still today. We can influence a lot of things. The woman was influenced by what? What she saw versus, you know, uh, confirming it or or what she knew in her heart. The woman... uh, We'll have difficulty with childbirth. That was one of the consequences. All human relationships are filled with conflict as a result of sin. That brought in conflict into relationships. God desires reconciliation with his people. Uh, so he, he comes looking for them. He comes looking for them. Ain't that something? God desires reconciliation with his people. So he comes looking for them. He asks questions to give them an opportunity to reconcile. And he takes steps of making reconciliation through the blood of the innocent, covering their shame with animal skin. Now, now this one I'm going to pause on for a minute because we know that, it's, it's, and this was a difficult thought for me to have. There are so many people that I'll just be like, Lord, would you just save them? Would you just draw them to you, help them to know you like I know you, help them to understand you. But what I had to realize is that unless God draws them, they will not be drawn. Like, like there's no way around that. Unless God draws a person, they will not be drawn. And when God draws you, that's it. It's a done deal. You're going to know him and you're going to be saved. All right, guilty men always hide from God and make temporary covering. Uh, Man is influenced by beauty. Man must choose not to make decisions based on sight. When man makes a choice to listen to voices other than God, he always disobeys God. (laughs) Ain't that something? Now think about that. When man makes a choice to listen to voices other than God, he will always obey, I mean, always disobey God's voice. 
that's why sometimes I shut stuff down. Like I said, it's certain things I don't need to have an understanding of your perspective about something that I know is not godly. I don't even engage in those conversations. I don't engage in those discussions. I don't need to know it. But I like that perspective that they said. When man makes a choice to listen to a voice other than God's, they always disobey God's voice. When sin enters the world, relationships are broken. Man's default response becomes kill that one, not me. So now you're going to sacrifice somebody else. Now, look what I'm getting from this. God and in his infinite wisdom and God and his mercy and his grace. When man sins, God takes the innocent by his own volition and he uses the innocent to sacrifice for the guilty. When man sins, he goes to God. <laughs> he has behind the innocent. He's like, take this one. Take this one. Don't take me. It's, it's like a mirror reflection. It's like man Okay, yes, you are in God's image, but that little act right there is not godly. <laughs> you got it backwards. All right, hard work is unavoidable, and life is not easy because of sin. You're going to work. He told him, he said, you're going to till the land until you die. And we're doing that right now today. People, are they retire at a certain age, and then they still working until the day they die. Uh, sin has very serious consequences for everybody involved. And then uh, every human lives out of a broken identity and struggles to find meaning and purpose because of sin. Our identity has been broken. We always got to remind ourselves uh, of who we are with Christ. But but I'm going to leave with this. Let me see. Um, that we have to construct our thoughts in such a way that we start to build a reality around the word of God. Let that be the foundation of how we start thinking, how we start believing, how we start understanding ourselves and we'll have a much more fulfilled life. And that's what I take away from the fall is that God's principles have not changed. His original um, expectations for humanity has not changed. And so if we could just get back to that, if we just understand that the fundamental thing that God desired for man was companionship, honesty, true relationship, all of those things that we build off of that, you know, we'll have a much better life. But wasn't that good? That uh, was amazing. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, listening to the chapter, yes. that yes. was good. So we got to get get into that word. I'm telling you, you learn so much. All right, so you want to pray us out? Yep. Dear Lord, we come <coughs> to you just to say thank you so much for this word that you filled us with tonight, Lord. Please continue to expand our minds. Give us energy. Uh, give us your light. Give us your wisdom. Give us your courage and your authority, Lord. Continue to walk with us through this Bible study and through this walk, Lord. Open our eyes and our minds and our ears and give us discernment of your word, Lord. Continue to keep our strength within ourselves and continue to help uh, guide us and allow us to hear the Bible the way that it was meant for us to be heard so that we can teach it the way that it was meant to be taught. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for my mom. Thank you so much for this church, Lord. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And next week we're going to talk about Cain and Abel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Love y'all. Bye-bye.